Hello, dear ones. I am just here up at the top to thank our newest review leavers because you guys are the best. So thank you to Molly the Drug and Sid Mary Five for leaving us these really beautiful reviews that make my whole heart feel really big and great. And Jesse agrees, and we think you guys are the best. And if you want to hear your iTunes leaving name right at the top of the next episode of this podcast, just hop on over there and leave us a review. You can also leave us a review on Stitcher or on Facebook. I will read your name if you do those things also and feel equally grateful to you for those. So yeah, we are inching ever closer to having the 50 reviews we need to be able to mail out our Gay Owl logo stickers to one-fifth of you review leavers, which is a very high fraction. And I'm going to shut up now because there is a hell of a lot of goodness that is coming your way in this episode. So please enjoy it. Thank you again. And with that... Magic brings Voldemort to the yard, and I'm like, it's hurting my scar. Hey man, you're hurting my scar, grab a space sand, then he screams real hard. My magic sends Voldemort from the yard, and I'm like, whoa, this is bizarre. I black out from the pain in my scar when I wake up, Dumbledore's real proud. My handshake made Quirrell die real hard, I'm 11, and I killed a teacher. That's right, I committed murder, I feel fucked up, but I won an award. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, the podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And we've made it to the last chapter of book one of the Harry Potter series! Woo! Woo we did it! We did it! Um, it's... Really hard for me as someone who has ADHD to complete things, so I'm just very excited that we made it this far. I'm your friendly neighborhood dictator. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, velvet glove, iron fist, blah de blah. Um, (laughs) uh, We will be talking about chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. To recap, Harry walks through the flames to the last chamber of his obstacle course. It is not Snape who who is waiting for him, but Quirrell (gasps) with Voldemort in the back of his head. Oh, no. Uh, Harry finds a stone in the mirror, learns a lot of shit about his past that will not be clarified for another five books, (laughs) and kills Quirrell with the power of love. (laughs) Dumbledore gives Harry a bunch of half-truths about Voldemort and Snape. Crushes the dream of every Slytherin by giving the gang and Neville last-minute house points, causing the Gryffindor house to win the house cup. And that is the end, dear listeners, of Harry's first year at Hogwarts. Yep. So, now I have a present for you. (laughs) What kind of present? It's an audio present. The listeners, you heard this because I'm going to replace our theme song with it for this episode. But now you get to see, see, you get to hear Jesse listen to it live on air. Okay. So now I have to open another device to play it through, obviously. (laughs) Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. 
then he screams real hard, my magic sends Voldemort from the yard, and I'm like, ooh, this is bizarre, I'm back out from the pain of my scar, when I wake up, Dumbledore's real proud, my handshake made oh them die real hard, I'm 11, and I killed a teacher, that's right, I committed murder, I feel fucked up, but I won an award. Also, I do unironically love the song Milkshake, so it's even better. <laughs> I know, me too. Uh, yeah, you know, I sent you that gif that I, that was the beginning of that, right? Mm-hmm. My milkshake brings, or my magic brings Voldemort to the yard, and I'm like, it's hurting my scar, and then I just couldn't get it out of my head, and a <laughs> thing that I do in my life is just rewrite songs to be about situations that are happening in my life, like my dog's barking at things, for instance. Um, Rufio has a theme song to the tune of a Taylor Swift song when he's freaking <laughs> out about dogs on walks. So, oh uh, so then that just happened, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make that be real. Yes. So, there we go. This is perfect. I love it. Okay, so let's get into this newspaper. <laughs> Woo! Today's headlines, Teen Murder's Teacher Wins Trophy. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I actually have a public service announcement before we get into the front page. So this is a PSA from the Gailey Prophet. Stuttering is a speech or communication disorder and not something that is caused by fear or nerves, though as with everything, stress can make stuttering worse. Stuttering is also not a joke or something that should be used to make a character humorous or pathetic, and J.K. Rowling can go fall in a hole. That's our public service announcement. That's a really great public service announcement. Uh, Poor Quirrell. Poor people with stutters like yes fuck her yeah yeah it's also apparently witches can have stutters so jokes on you about your lack quote-unquote lack of witches don't have disabilities jkr true fuck your couch <laughs> i think i think we're supposed to think that it's faked because he drops it as soon as he's, like, revealed. And it's supposed to have started when he met Voldemort. Or, like, when he traveled the world and whatever. Ran into vampires and stuff like that. So, which is, like, not how stuttering works. No, for the it's record. not. No, it's not how speech impediments work. No, it sure isn't. Ugh. So, anyway. Let's turn to the front page. Welcome to the front page, where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this podcast. My my thing for the front page is, how long do you think Quirrell was dramatically standing there waiting for Harry to show up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. Um, 
my first one is remember that time Coral says that Snape swoops around like an overgrown bat. Coral <laughs> <laughs> just has so many sassy things to say about Snape in this chapter. It's kind of perfect. I know it's really lovely. It's so funny and it's such a good dig because it's so true. Yeah. And yeah, then it just like goes into like so much exposition and it is like we are watching Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he is monologuing like crazy in this mm-hmm. and I'm like and I mean for the record, Voldemort also does a lot of monologuing cuz he is literally a comic book villain. Right. Uh so it is straight up some like meddling kids shit going on here. I mean, exactly. He gives us a lot of information that I think ends up in corrections. <laughs> Maybe some of it goes in. Uh, I don't know what sections I have it in, but just like all, probably education. Who knows? Anyway, he gives us a lot of information about like how much Snape knew and shit like that. That is just like what the fuck this is wild and it just is really unbelievable and it's like it's just exposition to like tie up loose ends and i think it's like it's weird because even without knowing what a direct hand voldemort had in all of this i feel like Voldemort is surprisingly not suspicious of Snape's loyalties. And the only thing I could think of is that, like, just because Snape is such a huge asshole that, like, not even Voldemort is like, this seems weird, but you're a big dick, so I guess it makes sense that you're being mean to Quirrell. Like, okay. But I'm like, shouldn't Voldemort have been like, why are you trying to save Harry Potter? The, The dude who literally is the reason why I'm a, like half of a eighth of a soul like floating around like it's just i don't know it's just it's really weird in the context of like what is happening with like snape and voldemort that like you get this exposition it's not like fuck you snape for like getting in the way of my plan you know so yeah that's a really good point unless this is like before JKR really plotted out like what Snape's role in the whole series is because like that just seems like a very weird oversight I feel like it they Snape explains it to Voldemort or maybe to Bellatrix later saying like you know I just thought it was Quirrell doing this stuff and like what was I supposed to do just like let him kill Dumbledore's favorite student that's true but yeah, no, it's still weird because he could have just like left that to Dumbledore. But mm-hmm. speaking of the weird exposition, um, do you think Quirrell went to school in the sort of same time frame of like Snape and the Marauders for him to be like, oh yeah, like James and like Snape just hated the fuck out of each other, or is it like really just well known? Like it's just probably he's supposed to be really he's supposed to be young. I mean, I don't think necessarily in the same year, even though I guess, I mean, Snape in, like, witching years isn't that old, you know? He's, like, in his early 30s when for book three? I mean, book three. Book one? Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, 30. Yeah, 30-something. Yeah. Yeah, because, so, like, if Quirrell was, like, a first year when Snape and 
and James were like sixth years, he would be in his twenties. So yeah, yeah, he definitely had to have been at school with them, otherwise he would be too young to be teaching. Yeah, that's true. Quirrell walking backwards toward Harry with Voldemort's face on the back of his head is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> it's so upsetting. The it is a real. It is really upsetting. It is, yeah. It is just very creepy. And also just sounds very awkward. Like, walking backwards is awkward enough. But I feel like in that circumstance, it would seem, like, ominous as fuck. Like, yeah. oh, so unsettling. I feel like it's unsettling, and I feel like... Since this is our first time really, like, meeting Voldemort in the flesh... As it were. It sort of just seems like if this is what immortality looks like, it does not seem worth it. Like, you have no nose. You're sharing some rando's body on the back of his head, like, for, like, nine months? I'm just like... Is that what it was like when he was, like, sharing snake bodies? <laughs> <laughs> like, a little tiny back... Oh my god... <laughs> Oh god. It yeah, the the I'm sure he didn't imagine this outcome when he <laughs> went with Horcrux. <laughs> I mean, this is true. This is very true. But like if kind of the point was it to make sure that he's anchored to this plane of existence like six times, it's kind of like I don't know. It still just seems, like, not worth it, I guess. Well, so I feel like there probably isn't a bunch of information about what happens if you do die when you have Horcruxes. And so my guess is that he had no idea that it wouldn't just essentially make him, like, impermeable, right? That's true. Invincible. What word do I mean? become maybe invincible because like if we assume that the killing curse like separates your body from your soul or whatever the fuck makes you alive you would be like oh if i split it six times and like if you throw a killing curse at me like it's not gonna work because like i still got seven other like six other pieces chilling yeah so, and honestly, and sound- maybe he just thought it would be like like n- nothing could just hurt him, right? Like yeah, or like if he or like yeah, like a killing curse wouldn't do anything, even though it does sound like you know his body was evaporated. I don't know, like yeah. Still though, if he's like living in fucking snake bodies, there had to have been a chance that he was just like, maybe I regret my life choices. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> But it sounds like he just spent that time getting more and more resentful and angsty. Yeah. I really like when Harry is talking to Dumbledore and he's like, Snape. And Dumbledore is like, Professor Snape. And Harry's like, yeah, him. (laughs) Sure. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Sure, dude. Sure, dude. (laughs) Yeah, milk that hospital bed for all it's worth. 
I think my next point is actually a witch NSA point, so I'm going to skip that. Okay. Um, I don't know why Harry was shocked by Hagrid's emotional outburst about, like, that's very on brand for Hagrid to oh, be I like, know. I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did this thing. Even if he's like, I'll never drink again, and I'm like, oh, Hagrid, I wish, <laughs> I wish, I wish you could actually keep that promise. Yeah. Yeah, that's my next one, too. And I also, like, with that, you know, he's taking all of this responsibility onto himself and being like, it's entirely my fault because I told him how to get past Fluffy. And I don't understand why Quirrell didn't just kill Fluffy. Like, really... It's not Hagrid's fault. Like, if this dude really wanted to get past the dog, he would just kill the dog. Like, maybe that would be too much of a tip off. I mean, if you're gonna like go in and come back out and like peace out, like, oh, that's true. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Fluffy's really hard to kill. <laughs> maybe. So. Yeah, yeah, and then just you know that photo book, man. I know. I know it's so great yeah and it just makes me sad that like yeah that it took this long for harry to get that yeah hagrid is like the only like legit mothering figure that harry has right now yeah i it's so sad that no one else is is taking steps to do these things for him I mean, I think what I really wish is that, I mean, like, Hagrid is very tender and mothering to him, but Hagrid cannot advocate for Harry, which I think is really the sad thing that he is missing in really this whole series, is that he really just needs someone to go to bat for his well-being. (laughs) And, like, no one can stand up to Dumbledore to do that, and it's just very upsetting. It's really upsetting. That's it for my front page. Do you have anything else? Oh, yeah. I I have one more thing. Uh, Just that um, Hermione really uh, hits the nail on the head. Like, she she gets a a pretty quick read on Vernon, like, immediately. Oh, yep. So. Yep. Good point. Yeah. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. There are so many fucked up things in this chapter. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe I should move some of my editorials to politics. Anyway, how about this? How about you, you start us off? Okay. And then we can go. Uh, Harry murdered a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> that actually isn't any of the things on my list. <laughs> <laughs> He's 11 years old. He killed a teacher. No one is talking about it. Yeah, it like never. It literally never ever comes up ever again in the course of this of this book series that he just like straight up like murdered this teacher. He murdered a teacher. <laughs> I mean, not on purpose and definitely like in self defense, but an eleven year old child <laughs> caused the death of a grown man. And he got 60 house points. He got 60 house points. (laughs) Oh, man. 
Honestly, I blame Dumbledore for all of this. Yeah. And I mean, maybe, like, Harry will grow up and will have a terrible realization that he straight up murdered Quirrell and will just add it to the, like, deep well of things that Harry, like, as an adult will realize is fucking terrible and it will, like, cause him, like, many sleepless nights. Yeah. Never addressed, never brought up again. It's just real bad. Yeah, so tied just tied into that before we get into like the witch NSA stuff. It is so very British when Dumbledore like pointedly looks out the window while Harry cries about the fact that his mother died for him and that's why Voldemort can't touch him. But also, can you please give this child some fucking support? Like Yes, you are British. That is not an excuse for being like, hey, kid, did you just kill a teacher and find out about how your parents died? Like, have it literally described to you viscerally by their murderer and then find out that that the way that they died is the reason that you survived and like all of this like horrible like big giant totally you can't handle it at 11 shit maybe i won't pointedly look out the window at a bird while you cry like maybe i'll do something a little bit more supportive and helpful (laughs) maybe maybe yeah no he's not He's not going to because I feel like that would make the fact that he is setting up a child to be his sacrificial lamb, like, more real. And I mean, this, like, these last two, like, this last chapter especially is just kind of, like, just showing how much he is setting Harry up for that, you know? Yep. Like, laying the groundwork for Harry to go up against a straight-up grown-ass dark wizard, like, with himself and his two other 11-year-old friends? Like, it, like, goes, like, beyond child endangerment to, like, just straight up... I I don't even have words for just, like, what? (laughs) Just fucking terrible. It's bad. It's so bad. bad. And then he's, like... See, not only does he, like, set this whole thing up, Harry's, like, unconscious and, like, clinging to life for three days then he says some bullshit like oh you know you were just you were doing so well on your own and like oh you did the thing properly didn't you i'm like no he literally almost died and literally almost got his friends killed yep against a dude who literally says in this chapter that he was trying to kill snape and harry and ron and hermione (laughs) like it's just it's just mind boggling and then like Dumbledore's like explanation of like how this is like I don't know it's just it was a hell it was a hell of a gamble for him to do that like any number this could have gone wrong and then Harry would have been dead and then that would have been it I so do you feel like he was down there to step in if if it got that far and he maybe just like let it go a little long I mean I I think so but I still feel like there was multiple points throughout this year, and even in these past couple chapters, where like it still could have gone horribly wrong, even yeah. if he was there to intervene. 
you know? And I can't tell if it's just, like, Dumbledore's sort of belief in the prophecy that, like, Harry has to live to defeat Voldemort, or just sort of a, like, overconfidence of, 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 of his own skills as a, like, witch. It's just, like... I just think whatever. There's, like, still... There were still too many variables for him to, like, totally have, like, done all these things, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it still could have very easily have gone wrong. Totally. So. All right. Um, do you have anything else that doesn't fall under NSA Watch? I have one more thing. Actually. Okay. Their relationship between Voldemort and Quirrell is, like, textbook abusive? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like the way Quirrell describes, like, what Voldemort is offering is, like, very much, like, accessing toxic masculinity, which maybe Quirrell hasn't been able to access because he's, like, quote-unquote timid mm-hmm. or dandyish or whatever you want to call it, which is kind of like, and then I'm also, like, it's, like, abusive, but also a little bit, like, homoerotic dominance gone terribly wrong. hmm And I'm just, like, you guys could have, like, gone into S&M and not have to deal with all this shit, Quirrell. Like, <laughs> really. Like, and I'm just, like, oh, you're calling him master, LOL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, like, dude, like, you, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, you could have been seduced by someone else. Also, Voldemort got him when he was, like, an eighth of a soul possessing snakes. Like, holy shit. Yeah. So I know, like, we don't take Pottermore to be in any way worth anything, right? But I did look at what Rowling had to say about Quirrell because I was, like, upset about the whole stutter thing. She says that he deliberately set out to find Voldemort because he partly out of curiosity, partly out of the unacknowledged desire for importance. At the least, he fantasized that he could be the man that tracked Voldemort down, but at best thought he might learn skills from Voldemort that would ensure he was never laughed at again. Though Hagrid was correct in saying that Quirrell had a brilliant mind, the Hogwarts teacher was both naive and arrogant in thinking that he would be able to control an encounter with Voldemort even in the Dark Wizard's weakened state. When Voldemort realized that the young man had a position at Hogwarts, he took immediate possession of Quirrell, who was incapable of resisting. Says he became completely subjugated by by Voldemort. He tried to put up feeble resistance on occasion, but Voldemort was far too strong. Um, this is that's very tragic, but also a little bit like it. It's weird because it's almost as it sounds like she is like being a pot like a, an apologist for it's like well he was bullied well he was bullied so you know he wanted to prove himself so he went and like found the dark lord like lots of other people are bullied neville is bullied harry was bullied in his last school and is often bullied again at hogwarts like yeah yeah um also i just think it's ironic that and i'm sure it was intentionally ironic his wand is a unicorn hair wand i think that's probably definitely on on purpose yeah (sighs) okay which nsa watch yeah
want me to start? Big gesticulate. Like, literally, my only note says, which NSA for days? And then page numbers for me to look at while we talk (laughs) about it because there was too much. Yeah, please start. So my first, maybe my only point, is Dumbledore being like, what happened in the dungeon is, you know, is a total secret. So, of course, everyone in the school knows. How? What? How the fuck does everyone know? What the fuck? (laughs) Everyone knows that was happening, but no one knew enough to be like, we should stop these 11-year-old kids from trying to, like, fight a dark wizard. I know. My first thought was that Dumbledore told everyone. (laughs) And then my second thought was that Ron and Hermione told everyone what they knew. Yeah. And I assume the fact that it was Quirrell and not Snape became public knowledge as soon as it was clear that Quirrell had been murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Which, how do they explain that? It, like, is it, like, you know, like in book four when something happens to Cedric, because it's like, it's this huge moment. But, like, with Quirrell, it's just like, whatever, we got house points. Right. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter that this professor is dead. I know. so fucked up. Oh, it's really upsetting. Uh, okay. Okay, my first underlined thing from the my page note, like, go reference pages, is when Dumbledore says, Oh, you know about Nicholas? Sounding quite delighted, he says. You did do the thing properly, didn't you? <sighs> what? I hate that line. I what? hate that line... Because he's like, oh, cool, you figured out what I was trying to do a little bit. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> what? Ah. It's too bad I have to edit out these long-ass silences that happen when we're having conversations. Like when, we're, when we're just gesturing and making expressions because we're, like, literally speechless. Uh-huh. And then, okay, and then this whole conversation that happens between Harry, Ron, and Hermione They meet Dumbledore in the hallway, and he says, Harry's gone after him, hasn't he? And hurdles off toward the third floor. This page is, like, just first, what the fuck? (laughs) Then yes, yes, no, no. (laughs) So the first yes is Ron asking, do you think he meant to do it? Meant you to do it, sending you your father's cloak and everything. Yes, Ron, he did. And then Hermione... If he did, that's terrible. You could have been killed. Yes, Hermione, you are correct. Harry, no it isn't. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here. That's my first no. No, don't do that. That's terrible. He taught us just enough to help. I don't think it was an accident that he let me find out how the mirror worked, so we were correct. He set that situation up. Harry is acknowledging that Dumbledore was like, here, sneak out of your room, then I'm going to like corral you into this room and be like, here's a mirror, and then I'm going to be like, here's how this mirror works. And Harry's like, that's cool. That's fine. No. No. Mm-mm. No. This is why Harry needs an advocate because Harry is 11. He's had like, he's been abused and has no power in his life. So he's like, yes, someone is like, you're capable. And he's like, yeah, I'm capable. But in reality, Harry is not capable of doing all the shit that he just did. Like in no way should should he have been put in that situation. But he's a kid who has, 
you know, not enough life experience to be like, this is, you know, to realize it's fucked up. He's like, oh, cool. Someone believes in my ability to do this thing. Right. Even if that thing could have literally killed him, you know? And it's like, there's not anyone to tell Harry otherwise except for Hermione, and she's just blown off, you know? Yeah. It's horrific. Yeah. It's, 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 it's real bad. I mean, speaking of classic abuse situations, right? Like, this level of surveillance that Dumbledore is, like, executing here, like, surveillance and manipulation, like, this is very, very abusive behavior. And it's like, Harry thinks that this is a good thing. He thinks that Dumbledore did him a solid by letting him try to... By letting him murder Quirrell. Basically, <laughs> and go after the stone. And this is why, like, you know, throughout the books, he's just like, this is my burden. This is what I have to do. And, like, Dumbledore just keeps setting him up for it. And he doesn't even get called out about it until... Book five, when her mind's like, you have a saving people thing, Harry. Where do you think this comes from? These four books were, where Dumbledore's like, yeah, Harry, do it. You can do it. It's great. Whatever. It's fine. And it's like, of course he's going to develop a weird savior complex. Yeah. Like, no one is telling him otherwise. And, like, Dumbledore, for whatever reason, is the person that Harry is, like, looking up to to, to steer him in the right direction, which is the last person he should be getting <laughs> advice from. Because Dumbledore is manipulating him. So terribly. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. <sighs> and just, just even like, like cradle our heads, <laughs> like. And just even like, so I have a whole thing about this, but like even Dumbledore's sort of like explanation about what is happening, even his exposition is so manipulative. You know, like. He gives these, like, half-truths about Snape's motivation. This kind of half-truth about James, like, when he saves Snape, you mm-hmm. know? And, he just, and it sort of ends with him being like, I'm gonna eat this candy. Well, I'm just, a, you know, an old, like, harmless man. And it's like, no, dude, you're not. Like, you're so not. Y- you are the literal wolf in sheep's clothing of this series. Yep. Like... And then he admits that he... And then... Okay. It's so fucked up. He admits that he knew that James had an illegal invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. And while we're very lucky that Harry isn't a dick, like, James is the last person who should be having an invisibility cloak at Hogwarts. I believe that when we learn about the Hollows it is the case that James told Dumbledore about the invisibility cloak when they were in the Order of the Phoenix together because Dumbledore says it explained a lot of the things he got up to at school. So I think this is actually like him retroactively being like, oh, this is what James did. Um, Probably even like just according to James's own reporting to Dumbledore about, about how he used the cloak because it's clear... Like, we know that, that Dumbledore doesn't know about them being, like, animagi and stuff like that. So, I actually don't think Dumbledore knew when James was in school. I mean, who knows, really, right. at this point. With this guy, who fucking knows. With this guy, who fucking knows. Which we'll get into more about in the third book, and all of the things about the third book. Which, ooh, <laughs> it's uh-huh. gonna be quite the roller coaster of emotions. 
Yep. All right. Any other witch NSA stuff? No. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Snape was on to quarrel about everything since Halloween. What the fuck is happening at this school? What's going on? What's going on? I mean, Snape clearly didn't tell anyone because that's part of his MO. He totally told Dumbledore. I'm not buying it. Dumbledore knew. And that's how probably how Dumbledore knew to like start setting this whole game into motion to be like, I wonder what would happen if Quirrell as Voldemort touched Harry, given that I think Harry might be a horcrux. Yeah, I mean, I guess Snape definitely didn't tell any other staff members and Dumbledore was probably just like, just keep an eye on it. And then he does, you know? Right. Yeah. Everybody just like blindly follows Dumbledore in this way that like when Quirrell is like, my master is with me always. I was like, so is Dumbledore. Dumbledore and Voldemort are the same. Voldemort's just a little more explicit about the way that he's doing this. Which, given Dumbledore's history with, like, Grindelwald and his For the Greater Good bullshit, is, like, you never really left that frame of mind, dude. Right. Like, you never kind of got over the idea of being a supreme ruler. Right. You know? And I think in the same way that Voldemort taps into these, like, desires of these damaged young men and women, like... Dumbledore does the same thing. Like that's definitely the case with like Snape, where like he has him. Like you know, Dumbledore has Snape doing all of these things for him for years because it's like you know I forgave you for for fucking up, but I kind of I kind of own you now. Like you kind of have to do my you kind of have to do all things I tell you because like remember that one time you were a Death Eater. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna need to do this for me. <laughs> Which I mean, arguably, Snape has a lot how forgiveness to a- works. It's yeah. just not. I mean, Snape does have a lot to atone for, but I think I think Dumbledore takes that to an extreme. You either accept that he has like come to your side and and like forgive him, or you don't. You don't get to just constantly be like, "You did something bad one time. You have to do it." I say, like that. But this is how Dumbledore gets. So much use out of Snape as in a very sad and talented person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible behavior. It's real bad. It's real bad. It's pretty shitty. So I have an editorial that we'll definitely get into more <laughs> six books from now. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the magic around Lily's sacrifice and, like, Harry's being shielded by love is like I don't want to say it's kind of weird but it seems weird that like in the history of magic that exact situation wouldn't have happened you Mm -hmm. know I mean the whole thing with like Voldemort and him splitting his soul into a bunch of pieces like is definitely real weird and probably hasn't happened but like it just seems weird that like this thing with Harry is very mysterious and like you know we don't know anything about it like mothers sacrifice their lives for children all the fucking time when fucked up shit is happening I wonder, maybe it would have been different if he had just, like, murdered James, murdered Lily, gone for Harry, as opposed to, like, trying to let Lily live. So she was, like, positioned very closely and, like, whatever. There might have been something about that exact situation. 
But we actually see Dumbledore do this again. Dumbledore. Woo! Voldemort do this again. Uh, and I guess it's with a muggle, but it's like when he's looking for the wand, he kills another mom who's shielding her children and then kills the kids, just her funsies. And I guess if you're a muggle, you can't cast this charm or whatever, but like, I don't know. I just, I think it feels weird because I feel like, I just feel like there's gotta be some like fucked up domestic violence situations where like shit like this happens. Cause that's, I mean, like in the real world where a lot of mothers are being killed because they're in shitty domestic, like shitty relationships, like it's out of control. And like, I mean, I feel like in the witching world, the possibilities of like that shit escalating and getting really bad is like really bad. When you have like the fucking unforgivable curses and shit, I'm just like. Right. No one has a house without an unlocked gun. <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And it's something that I've thought about a lot where it's just like, but really, like this doesn't seem like something that would be a unique situation. Yeah. Uh, my next editorial is much lighter. It just says, oh no, the smell turban. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's so gross! so gross! so gross! Why? Why Why did you keep reminding us about it? It's awful! And why does it smell? Like, why? Maybe Uh. he just smells like lizards, or, like, you know, like, when you're, like, in a place where there's like a large reptile tank and it has kind of a like reptile-y smell. Because he's like know. kind of a snake? Maybe. It's still weird. Yeah, it's gross. And don't they smell that way because they are like never mind. <laughs> I don't know. It's gross. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but it's very disgusting. <laughs> what any so way that you gross. it's disgusting. Also uh... gross. Vomit flavored jelly beans. No. Oh yeah, that's really why, gross. why, why, why? I mean, he did it. He did it on purpose to be it. like, look how like charming and disarming I am. Like, I would never lead you to the slaughter at all. Wait, what? Dumbledore eating that gross earwax. Oh yeah, vomit flavored. Yeah. Why does anyone eat those? The every flavored beans is a horror show i know it's like you buy those for someone that you hate you don't buy them for your friends and they eat them so they're like eat them on the train i'm like why would you ever go near any of them like who has ever unexpectedly had vomit in their mouth that didn't come out of their own body and not automatically vomited like i don't believe that that's a thing that happens that is horrifying I went through just thinking about it. Why? Why does she want to write these things? J.K. Rowling, why do you want to hurt us? I don't understand. But it's so kooky and charming, and isn't it like reading Willy Wonka? No, it's not. That candy was down to fucking delicious. That candy was good. Give me some candy that makes me, like, float around on the ceiling while I'm eating it and is delicious. Great. Sure. Why not? But, like... No. Yeah, it misses it misses the mark. And the fact that they actually make every flavored beans is disgusting and I'm like, what is wrong with literally all of you? Yep. Great. Okay. <laughs> What's your next rant? I'm annoyed that Dumbledore's like, Oh yeah, I'll tell you about why Voldemort spared your mom and then 
he never tells Harry. Harry finds out from fucking someone else. And I'm just like, wait. Because he doesn't tell him in, during the prophecy. So I feel like... No, Snape tells him, right? Or Snape's memories tell him? Yeah, that's what I meant. So Dumbledore literally never tells Harry why Voldemort tried to kill his... Why Voldemort tried to spare his mom. And that's fucked up. <laughs> like... Oh, yeah, I'll go back to you when you're older. And then never fucking tells him. <laughs> you're the worst. He's door. so bad. Uh, you know who else sucks is Madame Pomfrey. She is really bad at her job. Why will she never let people have visitors? Does she not know about, like, the social conditions that help with healing? For instance, having loved ones around you. Oh, my God. She is... She's awful. She's an awful healer. And they're supposed to be, like, better at healing in the witching world than muggles are. But, like, literally... I think that's a lie. It's, one, yes, it's a terrible lie. But, two, like, having love and support is, like, the oldest, most basic form of, like, how we take care of sick and injured people. And that is, like, the first thing that she does not allow in her hospital wing is having love and support <laughs> and i just hate it I... yeah it's also really unfortunate that it's like madame pence and madame hooch and madame pomfrey are all really bad at their jobs mm-hmm. i mean i guess like no one's good at their jobs really Shit. But... so is trelawney is mcgonagall McGonagall and McGonagall's... Sprout are the only woman teachers described as competent. Which I actually have a point about Sprout, which is they say in this chapter that Neville never uh, got any house points for Gryffindor, which means that Sprout never gave Neville any fucking house points for being good at herbology, and that's fucked up. Harry's misremembering. <laughs> I would hope so. That Neville gets house points for herbology. There's no way. I will not accept that of Sprout. She definitely gives him points. We see her giving him so many points in future books. This is definitely Harry just like undervaluing Neville because he's a bad friend. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of sadly incompetent women teachers in this school, which seems very. I don't think that Madame Pomfrey is supposed to be incompetent. Like, I don't think that she's supposed to be written as being bad at her job, which at least is something, I guess. But it's a real bummer the way that, the way that she does her job. So, Well, like, I feel like Madame Hooch isn't really either. We just notice that she's bad at her job. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I have one more editorial at the very end of this book. It is described that there is an old guard to help the students leave Platform 9 and 3 quarters to not alarm the muggles. Where is this due to the beginning of the year that's fucked up? It's literally, like, almost verbatim what I wrote down about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you knew I was going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, I, I. Great question. And is he ever there again? I don't no, think he's ever I there f- again. I feel like he's not ever there again. 
But then again, Harry misses it in the next book, and then, yeah. Now, this dude is never literally mentioned again. Yeah. Harry is kind of in, like, a trauma fugue state at the end of the year, like, all the other years. So maybe he just isn't <laughs> noticing the card. That is true. Yeah, him, this is the only, I mean, besides him not freaking out about murder and quarrel, is, like, the only end of the book where he's just like, it's going to be great. Right, which is a pretty fucking weird stance to take. But, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah, yeah, my last one is also at the very end, where we leave Harry planning to spend the summer bullying Dudley. And it turns my fucking stomach. Yeah. I hate... That's not good. (laughs) Like, no, an eye for an eye is not good justice, my friends. Don't I end up just ignoring him though at the beginning of book two? I mean, well, I mean, he's still fucked up, but he's just like, yes, I think it's not the point because Harry's like, they don't know I can do magic, I'm gonna have fun times with Dudley, and it's like, oh my god, don't do that. Yeah, I feel like they should really teach better, I don't know, which muggle relations at Hogwarts. I'm like, that's not great. It's not great, Harry. Yeah. It's not a, not a good look. Yeah, it's not cute. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school. <laughs> My only thing is, I think, just going to be my rant about the house point situation at the end of this book. <laughs> That's, I think everything I have is related to that. Yep. <sighs> uh, I do want to say first, before we talk about how absolutely terrible and inappropriate this is, that I like the part where he saves Neville's points for last so that it's Neville that gets the most celebrated in this whole thing. It is the first good thing that has happened to Neville in this entire fucking book. And he really needed it. He really needed that win. And I'm, like, glad that he got some acknowledgement about, like, what a, like, really stand-up thing that, like, Neville did. Yep. You know? Like, not having any other awareness of what was going on, he's just, like this is a wrong thing that you're doing. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't talk about Dumbledore knowing about that during which NSA watch. <laughs> but anyway. Oh yeah. How does he know about that? That's <laughs> fucked up. It's so fucked up. Oh God. Maybe, maybe McGonagall found him and like told, or I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so, one good thing. One good thing. I have a hypothesis. Okay. My hypothesis is that the only reason that Hufflepuff doesn't win the House Cup every year is because they get points for Quidditch. Like, if Quidditch didn't give you house points, I cannot imagine that Hufflepuff wouldn't be earning the most house points. That's legit. I mean, I think it's weird that house points are given on, like, academic prowess and also sports prowess when they can be taken away for like doing whatever the fuck 
Right. Like, it's not like people get house points for, like, being good in the hallway, you know? Right. Or not bullying their either classmates. Right. So. right. Like, a teacher walking by and hearing Malfoy, like, say terrible things to someone and the person not punching him in the face and the teacher being like, great work. Great work, Harry. Ten points to Gryffindor. <laughs> great, not, great work not punching in Malfoy's teeth. Right, I mean, that would be a really effective way to stop them from fucking cursing each other all the time, would be to be like, I see that something bad is happening to you right now, and you are exhibiting self-restraint. Ten points to Gryffindor. Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know, Hufflepuffs are, like, clearly the best house full of the best kids, and they should probably be getting the most points. And if it is mostly academic prowess outside of Quidditch, then Ravenclaw would be winning. I don't know what the fuck they get house points for. Wait, wasn't wasn't Ravenclaw in second to Slytherin, though? Yeah, but only because Gryffindor lost all those points. Usually it's Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, like, every year from here on out. Maybe it's just hard to earn house points when, like, the Slytherin-Gryffindor bias is so heavy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like I feel I feel like I feel like Flitwick and Sprout don't play those games. Right. But it's hard when like McGonagall and Snape are not they're just doing their own fucking thing. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So Alright. And then whatever the other teachers are doing, who knows? Yeah. Let's dig into your stuff about this nonsense. I just have this situation is fucked up. I don't even have specifics because I'm just like like Literally waiting for them all to be sitting down and the Slytherins think that they've won and then to be like, oh, JK, not really, is just, it's just, it's so cruel. It's and like, horrible. And, and, and maybe the Slytherin house is full of, like, inbred bigots. Like, <laughs> they're children. They're still kids. They're still children. That's yes. such a mean thing to do to a child. <laughs> To to a whole group of children. It's a mean thing to do to, like, anyone. Like, it's one thing to, like, award the points and have them come down that day and be like, wait, what the fuck? We were in the lead yesterday. Like, what's going on? And let them go, you know, whatever. That's, if you're going to do it, that's fine. Don't do it in front of everyone. Like, never humiliate someone in front of everyone. I think that's, like, a pretty basic like piece of life advice (laughs) that we can give just don't do it especially not like 70 children in front of the whole school yes i mean i really feel like this whole stunt was just dumbledore reinforcing to harry that he did a good thing so he will continue to do dangerous stupid things in this pursuit of voldemort that really like benefits Dumbledore because like it's just it's so it's so unnecessary to do this whole rigmarole that it's just kind of like and I feel like he didn't even give Snape and McGonagall a heads up that this was gonna happen which is like what are you doing my dude I mean I feel like whatever Snape's face is doing is justified right (laughs) like totally Uh... you know 
And the fact that, like, the entire school is, like, celebrating, not because Gryffindor won, but because Slytherin lost, is, like, a very complicated thing in my head, where it's partly, like, that's horrible, those are children, and then partly, like, isn't this evidence that we should maybe not have a house specifically for evil kids? Like, maybe that shouldn't be a qualifier for, like, a house? I mean... Because it can't be healthy... To be a kid in the house that, like, literally three-quarters of your school hates you just because of the house that you're in. And in reality, like, three-quarters of the witching population of the country you live in. Right. Like, I mean, this is why the house system is dumb and it should be abolished, mm-hmm. like, immediately. Like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't exist because just all of, all of this mess mm-hmm. is just... Down with house points. Down with houses. Down with Let's down with sorting. Just stop. Let's just light stop. it. Light the hat on fire. Maybe not because it's sending it. That'd be yeah, please don't light the hat on fire. That's cruel. <laughs> Retire it to a nice haberdashery store. I don't know what that how what to do with a magical talking hat. Can the retire? can the hat read the minds of um, animals? Can it go like work as a dog therapist? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Or just a therapist in general that'd be, oh my god. To just be able to upload my issues to my therapist without having to say them with my words. That would be great. Oh, I'd pay good money for that. (laughs) But I think, unfortunately, probably a critical part of the healing process to be able to vocalize your issues. Fuck off, (laughs) Jesse. Oh, hey! I don't like it it any more than you do. (laughs) I'm all for uploading my issues into a computer. It'd be great. Um, yeah. Welcome to the health and science section. Today, I have two very... My first question. Okay, so we're imagining Quirrell and Voldemort's head. Yes. Is there a strip of hair that runs between... The two face parts. Or does Quirrell's hair still grow on his whole head and so he has to shave Voldemort's entire face? Oh my god. (laughs) How would you even do that? I don't know. Maybe there's like a hair removal charm. Oh, maybe. It's so funny either way. I feel like uh, Voldemort would just curse the hair off of Quirrell's entire head just to spite him. That's <laughs> to true. be like to avoid the indignities of like like bangs. It's <laughs> like really just the back of Quirrell's head. <laughs> <sighs> I like the idea more like more than it still growing like Quirrell's normal hair and him having to shave it off I like the idea of it just now being like a strip from ear to ear that ends where <laughs> each of their foreheads begins oh my god <laughs> okay <sighs> okay so my other question is about the hospital wing they don't have IVs or catheters Harry's unconscious for three days what's happening 
I mean, they're imagining his shit. It's clearly his number one. Can they do it while it's still inside his body? I don't know. Or is he just like peeing and pooping himself and they just like come vanish? <laughs> I mean, given the history of toilets in the in the witchy world, oh, no. I think we both know the answer to that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how she's getting fluids into him, though. I don't understand that. No. Magical hydrating potions? I don't know. She's, like, massaging it down his throat. Oh, my God. Giant tube. (laughs) That motion was was in the podcast. Jesse just, like, very uh, violently intubated. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay, well, that's that. (laughs) welcome to corrections where we correct stuff um okay so it's all about quarrel one is that when they're in the little room in the obstacle course he at one point snaps his fingers and another point claps his hands to make magic happen Mm mm-hmm we never see anyone do magic without a wand, do we? No. I don't know. That is very true, though. I mean, even Voldemort uses a wand. Hmm. That's a pretty big correction. <laughs> uh, as is the fact that, according to the timeline presented to us by Quirrell, he was, in fact, already possessed at the time that Harry met him in Diagon Alley. They shook hands... And he wasn't wearing a turban. Which I, which I said. I feel like back when that scene You happened. did. <laughs> but wait. Doesn't he say that in, in this chapter that Voldemort just has to keep a closer eye on him? At what, at what point does that happen, though? He said what? Quirrell says that, you know, my master decided that he needed to keep a closer eye on me. But I don't remember... Uh... But Voldemort couldn't exist outside of outside of the body of something else unless he was like in a snake. He probably, was, probably was in a snake. <laughs> just traveling around this case that has like a snake. A snake with a snake face and then a like <laughs> creepy tiny double door face. <laughs> oh no. Everyone's like, what's wrong with your snake? <laughs> Well, I mean, so they, they do have the, like, you know, sometimes snakes are born with two heads that are, like, side by side. So. What? That's a thing. I'm talking about demon stuff right now. Am I, I, make, am I making this no, up? No, I believe I you. Don't look it up. We are on a timeline. Okay. Ah, ah, ah. Okay. When I failed to steal the stone from Gringotts, he was displeased. He punished me, decided he would have to keep a closer watch on me. So where the fuck was he before? If he wasn't possessed. He's in that two-headed snake. (laughs) Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, well, it's not a correction then, but we learned something upsetting. So... I mean, maybe... I mean, maybe he has, like, Nagini at this point. I don't think... Does he ever possess Nagini? Because it says... Later, that like nothing that he possesses lives for very long. Like he was just cycling through snakes. Hmm. I feel like I thought Nagini was the exception to that rule, but 
Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know either. So, so really what it is is that Quirrell had to have like, like 20 snakes for Voldemort to keep possessing. Yep. <laughs> he just keeps going to the pet store. Someone's <laughs> like, why do you keep buying all these giant snakes? <laughs> what are you doing? I... <laughs> I really like to imagine little snakes, like garter <laughs> snakes, <laughs> like, little, garter <laughs> like snakes. little tiny Voldemort faces, like the size of a quarter. <laughs> With like little high pitched voices. <laughs> you fool! <laughs> How dare you lose the stone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. Oh my God. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Obituaries. Professor Quirinus Quirrell died on Tuesday in a bizarre turn of events at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, where he worked as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Though the true story is lost to time, reports say that Quirrell was involved in an incident with 11-year-old Harry Potter, which ended in Quirrell's death at Potter's hands. Hogwarts staff have asked that the public keep their curiosity neatly in check and their questions to a bare minimum. In a statement to the Gailey Prophet, Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore said, I believe you'll find that Quirrell had no family or friends and that almost no one remembers him at all beyond the vaguest details. See now, you're finding yourself confused as we speak, aren't you? Who was it you wanted to ask me about? More on this story, if it ever existed to begin with. (laughs) Oh my god, bravo. Thank you. So good. I'm just bookending this episode with, with special <laughs> treats for you. So it makes me very happy. I'm so glad. All right. <sighs> Thank you for listening to the last episode about this. No, that's not true, though. It's the last chapter episode about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But next week, we will be back with a book recap episode special witchy content that we're gonna do at the end of every book where we talk about the book through harry's experience traveling through the fool's journey from the tarot so that's gonna be really exciting and don't worry we're going to have a special guest who doesn't know anything about tarot to make sure that jesse and i don't get too in world and forget to explain what we're talking about to all of you who don't know anything about tarot so yeah we're really excited to bring that to you and i think it's gonna be real cool it's gonna be very cool i'm very excited about it you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and the world wide web at the gaily prophet if you also like to email us any feedback or questions or any more witch NSA moments that you would like us to point out, <laughs> you can email us at thegaleyprophet at gmail.com. If you like to follow me in between episodes, I'm on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. And you can find me on the internet at larkmalachi.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I dot com where you can learn about the work that i do and you can also find me at that spelling on instagram you can also find me at radical healer on instagram and you should 
go check out Theo Julian Forrester on Instagram. He is the creator of our logo and of the weekly comic strip, the Saturday morning cartoons that we put out every week that are inspired by our episodes. Um, So do make sure that you're following us on socials so that you see those because they are really incredible. And... Remember to go rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook if you like us and only if you like us. And (laughs) we will be very appreciative and we'll read your name at the top of the episode. Our spoiler warning was recorded by Sarah Sarwar. The music and our spoiler warning and our usual theme song are by Kevin McLeod. This week's theme song was by me to the music of the karaoke version of Milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) yes um and all of that can be found in our show notes Uh, okay until next time red herring gambit disappointment sacrifice Hey man, you're a hard man, man. This thing's a mess, I'm a yard, and I'm like, well, this is bizarre. I'm not out. I'm looking at my style when I wake up. Double doors, you'll cry. My hands get naked.